Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for another show. Hope you're doing well, hope you're keeping safe. Although we are now moving back into Chelsea playing games of football, still wanted to do some Enzo Fernandez content given how big of a deal, the biggest deal in Chelsea history. Uh, and let's hope the player himself turns out to be a big one for Chelsea in the upcoming years. We did speak to Adam Newson from London to kind of give the insight on how the deal came about, how Chelsea got it over the line on transfer deadline day. But wanted to get more expertise on the player himself. And I've got a brilliant guest here uh, to speak about. I'm sure if, you, if you're on Football YouTube, you probably know this channel, Rabona TV. Adrian Sosa, great to have you on the channel, mate. How you doing? Doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to speak about this Enzo deal because uh, it was it was an interesting one, wasn't it? The way it all went down. And look, he's he's a brilliant player. Um, you know, putting the emotions aside of how it all sort of conspired. Uh, look, he's a brilliant player, and I'm happy to speak about all the qualities that he has. Is there a is there a bitterness because it did look like for a little bit that Enzo was going to remain a Benfica player? I mean, I was. Just more in the sense that I felt that Chelsea were never going to go that far to sign him. So, I mean, to, to have that player for only a short period of time, really, if you consider the World Cup as well. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, there's a bit, there's a bit of bitterness because just with the sort of roller coaster of it where we thought, OK, we have him at least for a year. Because Daniel, when he first signed with the club, one of the first things that he said, I think it was actually an airport interview when he landed in Lisbon. One of the first things he said was, he's excited by this opportunity at Benfica. He's really looking forward to it. And Benfica will provide a good springboard to the rest of Europe. So right off the bat, we're thinking, okay, this guy is not using the club, but he's already looking beyond Benfica. He has his sights beyond Benfica at this point. So we had already sort of accepted that maybe he'll just be one of these one season transfers that Benfica has all the time. You know, a player comes through, they show their value and a big club comes and pays ridiculous money for him. But then to lose him in January and in the way that it happened where Benfica's on this great run. I won't go too deep into it, but just to give some context as to why we sort of felt betrayed in a sense. Benfica goes on this great run. We don't lose a single match before the World Cup break. We finish ahead of PSG and Juventus in our Champions League group. Everything's looking great. And Enzo's sort of at the heart of our midfield and is this first like brilliant player that we've had in so long where you know that they're going to be a world-class top, top midfielder for the next decade or so. And then we start hearing... You know, all these clubs from England are starting to circle around. But Rui Costa, our president and our coach, both said no one's leaving in January. It's not going to happen. We're keeping our players. We have sporting targets that we want to hit. We have financial targets that we used to want to hit all the time under our previous president. We don't care about those anymore. We're all about a deep run in the Champions League and winning as much as we can in Portugal. And as of, I mean, Rui Costa did a big interview yesterday on Benfica TV explaining everything. And he said that as of 10 hours before the window closing, he was still convinced that Enzo Fernandez was going to stay until Enzo started to just push and push. He wouldn't accept anything. We even offered paying the same salary that he would get at Chelsea for him to stay until the summer. And he still said no. He still said no. There's clearly a lot of bitterness amongst him and his former teammates now because some have unfollowed him on Instagram. There's a lot of people that are seemingly really unhappy with how he pushed things. So there is some bitterness, that long answer, yes. But ultimately, when I put all of that aside, I will still give an honest uh, depiction of him as a player. Yeah, I mean, I can already see Chelsea and uh, Benfica getting through to the quarterfinal of the Champions mm -hmm. League. And I, I was actually going to say PSG. I was saying a few days ago when it looked like Ziyech was going to go on loan to PSG. The narrative is we get PSG and Ziyech 
does well against us. But now I'm actually thinking with that move collapsed, we're going to get uh, Benfica and Enzo will play against Benfica. Um, you know, just kind of be typical at this point. And I mean, the thing you mentioned there, obviously, you know, I, I, I wouldn't proclaim to, to be an expert on watching the Portuguese league on a regular basis, but from watching Benfica in the Champions League, it was quite incredible considering, I know it's a cliche, but the group of death, I mean, you get Juventus with all their problems. It's, it's, it's a, experienced Champions League team Chelsea had them last year and you've got of course the might of PSG and to finish above both of them in that group I mean it just kind of speaks doesn't it to how well things were going on the pitch and I guess how integral Enzo Fernandez was as a part of that yeah absolutely I mean he was he was some of that and you guys will see this for yourselves that with all of the sort of attacking football that Roger Schmidt wanted to play with Benfica with guys like Rafa with Gonzalo Ramos with David Neres down the right Juan Mario Enzo was the one that was constantly finding them in the attack, that was constantly springing the counters and that kind of thing. So absolutely his delivery from set pieces, you know, how he would combine with the attackers in that final third, you know, delicate little passes around the box. But he can also spring the counter from deep when we're, you know, trying to hit someone from a corner or what have you. So he was integral to progressing the ball in this team. And when you lose someone like that, Yes, of course, we have Frederick Orsmiz and we have these other players that are very capable. Zhuang Mario can play a good pass as well. But Enzo is just that step above. He is that sort of elite talent that even if we did have time to replace him in the transfer window, we never would have got someone to that level. It just would not happen. Moving into sort of the, the player and what he brings to a team. I mean, reading more and more about Enzo Fernandez, it seems that he's had this quality at a young age when you look back when he broke through under Hernan Crespo at River Plate, is he has this kind of impact to really elevate a team when he arrives, which is it kind of speaks to a brilliant talent, doesn't it, when they're able to do that. But, I mean, what kind of stands out to you? You, you mentioned some of those attributes in midfield that have made him quite a special player for Benfica, but if there's kind of like one thing that was really stood out to you as a midfielder for him, uh, what would it be? <sighs> to put it just as one, I, because I think that they kind of go in tandem with each other. So I'm going to cheat a little bit here, Daniel. I'm going to say that it's his... Football IQ is absolutely at a level that you don't see too often. You know, when you think of some of the top midfielders, you think of a Tony Kroos or a Xavi or something like that. That sort of footballing IQ where they know where they're putting the ball before they even receive it, that kind of thing. And then you couple that with this insane technical ability to pull off these kinds of passes where... You know, he can have someone overlapping on the right and he can have the striker going through the middle between two center backs. And he has the intelligence and the ability to play that threaded ball between the two center backs for the striker to run onto. And it's perfectly measured where it's too far ahead of the keeper, just beyond the center backs. So I would say that it's that. It's that intelligence plus the ability to pull off these passes that you could only dream of. And then he's going to actually be able to do it. I think that one of the things that really stands out to me is obviously that kind of creative passing side of his game that is exciting Chelsea fans because that is a, mm-hmm. a problematic area and it, there's many things with Chelsea midfield that has frustrated me in recent years but one of those has been a lack of creativity particularly since Cesc Fabregas left in uh, 2019 I mean would you say I mean I, I think few players and it, it can sometimes be harsh to kind of compare players like that but you know, I mean mm-hmm. Is this a midfielder more in the ilk of a Cesc Fabregas than maybe someone like a Matic that we've been trying to replace for some time? Oh, God, yeah, of course. Yeah, much closer to a Fabregas. Very, very technical, very, very high IQ. And the thing that I hear from a lot of Chelsea supporters is that a lot of your midfielders have sort of defaulted to horizontal passes rather than vertical passes. And Enzo is someone that, of course... 
analytics only tell half of the story, but if you look at them, you look at sort of his FB ref page, he's going to be 98th, 99th percentile of progressive passes, of passes into the final third, all of that kind of stuff. So he's very much a player that is always looking to get forward. Of course, it's, I'm not going to say that he's never going to pass sideways or backwards. That's just a silly thing to say. But when the opportunity is there, he has the vision to see these runs. He has the bravery to attempt these sort of more difficult through balls. And he also has the technical ability to pull it off. I guess the other point I'd want to bring up is uh, maybe this leans more into what he did with Argentina. But obviously, you can speak to it at Benfica is it's not just his passing. I think there is a excitement from my end of, of a bit of versatility to his game and his career so far. He has played in several positions and, and also a sense of energy and mobility to his game too. I mean, you know, do you think this is someone in kind of the high intensity Premier League style could very much fit into it? And it's not just about his on the ball work, off the ball. He's pretty decent as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we saw that at Benfica as well. So typically just to, to give a quick rundown, he plays alongside a six in Florentino Luis, um, where when we don't have possession, he'll sort of drop beside him in sort of a, a double in the midfield there. But when we do have possession, he will get forward as sort of a creative eight. And he has been deployed mostly as that. Um, he can also play as a 10. He's done that for Benfica as well, I think for a game or two, not as often, um, because we have plenty of players in the attack already. Um, and he has played as a six when Florentino wasn't available. And as we saw for Argentina, he was dropping very deep. He was splitting the center backs, that kind of thing. So he does have that versatility. And what you were saying about sort of the, uh, the energy, he brings a lot of tempo. He's not a ridiculously pacey player. If he's caught in a foot race, don't expect him to win it. But as far as tempo of the game, Yes, he likes to keep it moving. He doesn't want to be slow and prodding on the ball. He wants to attack quickly, combine quickly with his teammates. So I think that it won't really be an issue for him settling in in the Premier League. I mean, we have no evidence of him failing to settle in at River Plate, Benfica, and then in that Argentina national team. That is something you, you speak about, you know, him being direct, him being risky on the ball. This is something that Chelsea have so greatly lacked um, for a number of years, particularly from deeper areas. I mean, the, the number of forwards who have made runs and just to give a shout out to uh, Alex Goldberg, the Bailen podcast, because we spoke on the, the Bailen podcast when I was guest hosting about Joao Felix. And mm. um, at the time, it was just before Joao Felix's uh, debut when I saw a clip of him at Cobham making a run and not being found, which is something that has been of great frustration to a number of forwards at Chelsea over a number of years. So hopefully that changes. I, I do just want to sort of end on Looking at the current Chelsea squad, I mean, Chelsea have made a ridiculous number of signings and it's easy with myself. I'm supposed to know this stuff to lose track of who we've signed and who we haven't. <laughs> um, but, you know, and mainly the, the the name that comes to mind from an attacking point of view that I look at instantly for Enzo Fernandez is Mikhailo Mudrik. Um, some of those runs, kind of that explosive energy from wide positions. I mean, is that a player you're looking at? Are there other players within Chelsea squad that you think Enzo could really link well with now? Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why I say that is because, as I mean, it comes down to where Enzo will be deployed, right? Because I know that you guys have some issues that maybe we'll talk about as far as a defensive midfielder or someone that can sit back in order to get the most out of Enzo going forward. But when he was playing at Benfica, he would tend to drift to the left a little bit and he would really combine well with Grimaldo and whoever was playing on the left wing, whether that be Juan Mario, Rafa, what have you. So yeah, right away, the thought of Mihailo Mudrik sprinting down that left flank 
finally you have someone who will not only see those runs, but will be able to execute the pass to find them. And it's it's a terrifying thing. Not only, I mean, Mudrick running into open spaces where he sounds incredibly scary, but we saw in that cameo against Liverpool that in those tight, confined areas, he does just as well. You know, he could dribble out of trouble. And having Enzo sort of drifting towards that area with him to support him, to combine around the box like that, I think that's a really frightening proposition for everyone really in the Premier League because Enzo will just add that that support and that, you know, those Chelsea attackers have been a little bit hungry, you know, and they haven't really been getting fed well lately and Enzo will provide for them. Yeah, I, I do wonder if uh, someone like Lukaku is wondering, should I come back to Stamford Bridge now because I may get a, a direct ball through to me, which uh, I'm sure many of the attackers, right, that, that Chelsea have had in recent years have despite their own individual flaws, I think would have wanted that a bit more. And hopefully Enzo with the other players we've invested in can really start to see that. I guess the final question here, it regards as a talent. I mean, when we spoke about Joao Felix, you know, this was someone who's clearly a big talent and went for a massive fee like Enzo has just done to a, to another European club that was to Atletico Madrid. This is to Chelsea. I mean, when you look back at Joao Felix and kind of the, the, the ceiling that he could reach or the expectation of what he could reach from there, I mean, if you compare the talents, I know obviously you had longer with Jal Felix than you did with Enzo Fernandez, but would you say that Enzo is maybe a greater talent or is that an unfair thing to say? Um, I think with the benefit of hindsight and seeing how things have gone down with Jean-Felix at Atletico Madrid, you know, it, it's a difficult one to call, Daniel, because it was clearly not a fit at Atletico. Um, and we saw just even in those 60 minutes or whatever it was against Fulham, how good Juan Felix can be when he has the freedom to attack and when he can run at back lines and he's playing in a position where he can thrive. But when it comes to Enzo, um, like I was saying at the beginning, and I think I tweeted back in July that there's some players where you can just tell right away the way they move on the ball, their technique, everything seems effortless and like it's just instinctual rather than they're having to really think about it. I think that Enzo Fernandez, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, the best midfielder in the world in the coming years, really, as soon as these older fellas like Modric, etc., start to sort of retire and wind down their careers. I think that Enzo is sort of going to establish himself as probably the best midfielder in the world. I would not be surprised at all in saying that. Um, and I know that it sounds like it's all it's all positive and no negative at the moment as far as his talent goes. But it's just like I was saying, I have no reason to believe otherwise. We didn't really have any stinkers from him at Benfica besides that one game where his head was gone and he wanted that move to Chelsea and we lost 3-0. So, you know, that's uh, that's the only reason why I would think, or the only sort of evidence we had of a poor performance. Other than that, it's been man of the match masterclasses, even in January still. Yeah, it's, it, there is a lot of hype. And I, I just hope that, you know, given the business we've done with Benfica in the past, uh, with some of the midfielders we brought in, I mean, I referenced Matic earlier, who, of course, we brought back in 2014 and the impact he had, the transformative impact in a different way than what we expect from Enzo Fernandez. But hopefully, if it adds anything like that value to Chelsea, I think it's going to be a brilliant signing. Um, thank you so much, Adrian, for joining me today. Um, I'm sure a lot of people do subscribe to the YouTube channel, but if they don't, just give you the chance now to shout out where people can find your work online. Yeah, uh, simple. Just uh, Rabona TV on YouTube. Um, that's about it. I know I'm not very active on TikTok or Instagram or anything like that. So just Rabona TV on YouTube and you'll find all my stuff. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries, man. Uh, yeah, great conversation. Hopefully we'll be back. Hopefully, 
I, I feel like the the next conversation it means that we just keep on taking players from Benfica, <laughs> which I, you know we're getting into the Brighton sort of relationship where it's probably not the best one. So maybe we'll have a situation where you buy a player from Chelsea because we have to sell quite a few players in the summer. I thank you so much for watching, tuning in. If you're watching on my YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on the podcast feed, thank you so much for tuning in as well. Give us a positive rate and review. It really does help out. You can follow me on Twitter at Son of Chelsea, and I will see you again very soon. All the best.